0: We are so glad you are here, children. Thank you for coming. Yeah. We are so lucky to have you here and to have you sing for us.
1: Day where Jesus walked in days of long ago, I wandered down each path he knew with reverent step and slow. Those They have not changed A sweet peace fills the air I walked today where Jesus walked And felt his presence there A pathway led through Bethlehem our memories ever sweet the little hills of Galilee that knew those childish feet. the mount of all of this hallowed sea that jesus knew before i saw the mighty jordan roll as in the day I picked my heavy burden up and with him by my side I climbed the hill of Calvary I climbed the hill of Calvary I climbed The hill of Calvary, where on the
2: cross he died.
1: I walked today where Jesus walked and felt him close to me. Amen, and thank you.
3: May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear today's scripture. Our reading is from Mark, Chapter 4, Verses 35 through 41. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is God's word to God's people. Thanks be Thanks be God. you.
0: We're thinking about what it might take to walk in the footsteps of Jesus this Lent, meditating and praying on the implications of those thoughts and and how we might have them be a part of our lives. We are, after all, disciples of Christ, and his way of doing things should affect the way we do things. His passion about Certain situations or his insight on how things go are things that we want to pay attention to. And so we've been thinking about Jesus and about how he makes his way through this world and how it is we may follow in that way. And, and we talked about blessing and, and struggle and resolution as a, as a beginning point of the whole Enterprise of the pilgrimage of faith, how that was a focused thing for Jesus, though it repeated itself through his lifetime in ministry, and how it's the same for us, no different for us. We go through those cycles of blessing and struggle and resolution. And in the light of that, we tried to dig in a little deeper to understand, well, what are some key things about Jesus' ministry that we might lift up as, as benchmarks for us when we think about how it is we may walk in his way. And, and we noticed that Jesus spent a whole lot of time in healing episodes with people, and, and it dawned on us, well, maybe we should too. Maybe that's a part of what we're called to be as disciples of Christ, people who are engaged in Acts of compassion and healing. And we took to heart that phrase being stretcher bearers for other people. I think that's a a winner that you can just take with you. It's a way of understanding what God calls you to be. And we spent last week talking about how Jesus, when he was teaching, spent all of those lessons to try to clarify for us the kingdom of God and how it was upon us and how it was not yet, what it might look like, how it might be that we would live into it. Today we have a focus on Jesus and boats and the Sea of Galilee. Wondering what it might be that comes to us from the lessons that he shared with his disciples dealing with the challenges of being in a boat on water. So the Sea of Galilee is just really marvelous. If you haven't been on a trip to the Holy Land, you wanna do that and one of the major things that just knocks your socks off is coming around the corner of the of the Mount Arabel through the Valley of the Doves and seeing for the first time the Sea of Galilee. You've seen it in your mind. You've probably seen pictures in the back of your Bible. When you see it for yourself, it just, well, it just knocks your socks off. It's just a, an incredible sight. Now, if you're hip to history, you know that as you were coming that way, you were walking in Jesus' footsteps. This is the path that they took. And when you turned right um, towards the Valley of the Doves, you are passing the Horns of Hatton, which is one of the places where the Second Crusade suffered one of its greatest losses. And so wherever you go, you're dealing with um, powerful history of people who were trying to make sense of God and what God's claim was on their life. Some in healthy, positive ways, some in more warrior-fighting ways, You come to that place and you look and the history of Christendom is just all over the place surrounding you and you raise your vision to the north shore of the Sea of Galilee and you, and you picture there along that coastal area. You picture, well, that's 75% of Jesus' life that we know about is there, maybe 85%. Lots in Jerusalem, of course, with the climax, but before that, all up and down that northern arc of the Sea of Galilee, those hillsides, that's where it was. And that upper crescent of the northern part of the Sea of Galilee, that's where these stories took place. Right there. It's marvelous. And our first story is Jesus walking along the, the Sea of Galilee, moving over towards Capernaum. He's been rejected in Nazareth, and he's, he's resolute, though, that this is what God wants him to do. So he's, he's moving along the, the seashore, and he's coming up to that area of the Seven Springs, where the water uh, comes in fresh to the Sea of Galilee, and a lot of fish are there. So a lot of fishermen are in that area. And he notices Peter and with this crowd following, and he's thinking, well, I've got an idea. I'm going to get in this boat, ask this guy to move out a little bit, and then I'll use that as a, a dias for me to uh, preach from or teach from to the crowd. And so he does that. He says, Peter, let me get in, and, and let's go out a little way. Now, Peter, he's been out fishing all night. We're told he's been fishing all night. That's the, the best time to fish, though not a very good time for him because he caught nothing. He's depressed. He's tired. He's smelly, I'm guessing, maybe more so than usual, but he, he goes along with this stranger. This stranger says, let me get in your boat, and let me use it to preach, and, and why does Peter say yes, but he says yes, and so he pushes out a little ways. I, I would think he just pushes out a little ways, and, and Jesus turns around to the mountainside. When you're there, you can see it just all happening. You can see it. Jesus in the boat and people on that mountainside right up to the water. And Jesus preaches. I'm guessing probably for a couple hours. You know, us ministers have a hard time just making it five minutes (laughs) or 10 minutes or 15 minutes. You know what I'm saying. Then Jesus turns to Peter and says push out to the deep. Peter's first thought is, are you serious? Really? I've been up all night, I've humored you letting you preach from my boat, but now you want me to stay awake still and go out to the area where we know there's no fish in the daylight when you can never catch a fish, and go fishing. Adam Hamilton sees this as the key moment of Peter's life, and I wonder if it wasn't. I imagine that if Peter said, forget it, man. Get out. I'm done. I guess he could have said that. We all can say that, you know when Jesus asks us to push out to the deep. But for some reason, Peter thought, you know, this is really a stupid idea, but okay. He says, okay, and out they go. And he gets the largest harvest of fish that he's gotten in his lifetime, Scripture tells us. He calls to his brother Andrew and the sons of Zebedee to come on out and help him, because he can't get all these fish in the boat himself. So they're all out there, these four guys, pulling the fish in bringing it to shore. I wonder if if we were to trust God to be telling us the right things to do with our life, whether things wouldn't be better for us. Many times in our lives, Jesus comes to us and says, got an idea, got an idea, need your help. Do this, say that. I like Peter have a terrible time saying yes when I'm tired, probably we all do when we'd rather not. Wesley talks about how he would rather have not gone to that meeting house, but when he did, he heard the preface to Romans that changed his life, made the faith real for him, though he had been suing it for years and years, actually had been a missionary in Georgia, he had pretty highly committed to ministry, yet it didn't come alive to him until that night when against my wishes I decided to go down to the meeting house. (laughs) Push out to the deep. Push out to where it's a little uncharted and maybe a little bit more dangerous. Push out to the deep with me this time and let's see what happens. At one of my churches, one of my parishioners came up to me and said, How often do I have to be nice? (laughs) You keep telling me to be nice. Every Sunday I come here and you tell me to love my neighbor. I'm just kind of tired of it. Can I get a pass some week? (laughs) This really happened. It It was a delight for me as a pastor to have my parishioners say this to me. We may feel tired of doing good. We may feel tired of engaging in ministries to revitalize, to renew a denomination that along with the other mainline denominations, really the Christian church in America, is in serious decline. We may be tired trying to push that rock up a hill. We may have had enough. Have you had enough? Have you been out all night fishing and haven't caught a darn thing? And then you had to do something else so you couldn't get to bed. And then Jesus came along and said, come with me. Let's push out to the deep. It's happening right now, folks. He's talking to you. So in another story on the Sea of Galilee, Jesus is with, I think it's his disciples. I don't know how many there are that day. If there's 12 of them, the boat should have sank before it even got out into the storm. The, the boat is kind of a small, well, in our terms, these boats. Have you seen the Jesus boat? Have you heard about it? You can Google it. It's called the Jesus boat. It's a boat that they found in the muck at the Sea of Galilee that dates to the time of Jesus. So they think, well, in all likelihood, we have here a really good example of the kind of boat that was the boat that Jesus very well might have gone into with his disciples to do this kind of stuff. And it is as big as, uh, as the organ to me, maybe. Maybe this far? I don't know. That seems like I'm exaggerating now. Not very big is what I'm saying. And his disciples in it. It's got pointed uh, front and back. So I don't know how they knew that Jesus was in the stern. Except that maybe the boat was just moving in one direction. And he was at the rear end of the motion. He's on a pillow, they say. Pillow and a boat? What kind of fishermen are these? But he's on a pillow and he's asleep. And the boat is going out and a storm blows up. And if you talk to the natives nowadays, even they talk about how um, squalls come up pretty quickly, un- unannounced on the Sea of Galilee. And so this is what's happened in this story is that they're out there and a, a storm comes and-, and they're fearful. And Jesus is asleep <laughs> at the rear of the boat and they're fearing for their lives. They turn around, he's asleep. What's the deal? Don't you care that we're about to die? Somebody says, the gospel says, someone says. Don't you care? Now, this is not their first time with Jesus, you know, right? They've seen a couple healings, a couple big, long, day long sermons, perhaps even the feeding of the 5,000 has already occurred. They've lived through some pretty miraculous things that surely must have given them pause about this guy that they called Jesus who was with them. Yet, Don't you care? And I find it honestly refreshing that we say that too. We who, in addition to what the disciples had witnessed by that time, have seen death and resurrection and empty tomb. We've seen the We've heard about the Pentecost experience, we've seen the spreading of the faith from one to to 70, to thousands, to millions. We even have had experiences in our own lives, haven't we? Where we have felt the living presence of God. Some of us might even say we've been reborn, we've been renewed by that. Our lives are radically different by that. But how often Do we not? When a storm batters our little boat on our sea of life, we turn to Jesus and say, wake up. Wake up here, I'm in trouble. Don't you care? And Jesus said to the disciples, (laughs) don't you have faith? I care. Do you have faith? And so now the disciples are out on the sea, it's, it's late night, turning into morning, and they've been trying to get from one side of the sea galley to the other, maybe from around Capernaum over to the Seda, they're, they're rowing against uh, a wind and the sea, and they're getting nowhere, Jesus sees that, he says, well, I guess I'll go help out, let them be reminded that I care. So out he goes walking across the water. They panic, who could this be? Early morning, strange light, looks like Jesus, but this is unusual behavior. Um, He talks to them, they get a little bit of peace, and Peter, you gotta love Peter. Peter, (laughs) can I do that? Can I be like you? (laughs) be like you? And Jesus says, that's the point, man. Yeah, please. Come on. Be like me. And he does a pretty good job. He's walking on the water for a while until he realizes that he's really actually walking on water, and, and then down he goes, right? Now, Rachel is gonna have this experience somewhere soon, I think. You're about, are you, are, you're about learning how to ride bikes over there, right? And anyway, my memory of that, and Meredith can tell me if this is true, whether it happened to her or her, her brother, Stuart, but my memory is that those kids are really great learning how to ride bikes, and once they get it going, they're going, and they're zooming around faster than you as a parent really are, are feeling comfortable about. They get to feel so good about what they're doing that there comes a point where they stop looking forward and they look at themselves riding the bike. You know, they put their head down and they see their little feet spinning around and and they're seeing themselves. They're kind of like watching themselves. (laughs) (laughs) Crash. You can't drive straight down the road if you're not looking at where you're going, right? And they crash. And I'm guessing that's kind of like what happened to Peter. He's He got kind of wrapped up in what he was doing, paying attention to what he was doing rather than keeping his eye on Jesus. I think about these three stories of Jesus on the northern crescent of the Sea of Galilee and it seems to me that there's a a core string of three pretty simple lessons that come from these stories. And they they have to do with listening and responding to what Jesus says. Trusting that Jesus is with you. Awakening Jesus in you. Should I say it that way? Realizing that Jesus is awake with you. And then keeping your eye on Jesus as you move down that pathway of faith. With Jesus in your boat and with your focus clearly fixed on the Lord, you will find yourself empowered to walk in Jesus' footsteps and say yes to what God asks you to do. Amen. Amen.